0: Sunday mornings before church you can come and have just been real blessed just to sit back a little bit and uh, be in fellowship with you all married group we had the uh, Winter Haven launch uh, on Friday night a, a great team I, I told Derek we are way far ahead in Winter Haven than we were in Lakeland trust me I'm so excited about the group that's gathering and all that the Lord is, is doing in our midst. So, we love you all. We are praying uh, for you. If you're a first-time guest, we want to welcome you here. And now we're going to uh, dive into the Word of God. Is that okay? I believe that we can experience and we can encounter God through worship, through prayer. But we also believe here that we can be transformed by the word of god i'm praying that the lord the word of the lord would run swiftly now as a preacher uh, as a a gospel messenger we must be faithful to preach the word whether we're feeling it or not and i don't know if that's a word of encouragement for someone out there that wants to give their life to preach the word but we've got to be faithful to preach the word in season and out of season and There are times when I preach and it's red hot and it's fresh out of the oven and I've got fire in my bones and then there are other times that I preach, I'm not feeling it at all. Sometimes I don't want to be up there. Just letting the cat out of the bag. Oh my gosh, brother, we'll pray for you. Yes, I accept any and all prayers. But this particular Sunday here, I really feel like there's something fresh There's a now word that the Lord has. I'm not sure if it's for one person. And if it is, I'll be faithful to preach to that one person or if it's for many people. But I feel like the Lord specifically visited me this week as I spent time in his word and in prayer. So the title of this morning's message is called Call Upon the Name of the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord and... I'm not going to apologize for uh, the passion uh, for the desire but i believe that for some people here this morning things are hanging in the balance that there's a greater encounter that you need there are answers that you're searching for that can only be found in jesus christ and so i'm carrying a little bit of the urgency and the burden of delivering this word and then letting the Holy Spirit do the rest. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we might know Him better. So, Father, we just dedicate, Lord, these next few minutes to You. Lord, we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who You are. Lord, we are desperately in need of your help this morning that you would make your word real to us. Lord, that it would create a hunger and a passion inside of us to go deeper in you than ever before. God, we're asking, Lord, that you would remove veils, that you would remove blinders. If there be any hardness of heart, if there be any blocked ears, Lord, if there be any blind eyes, we say let them be open, let them be loosed in the mighty name of Jesus. And I just pray for a bullseye. Lord, let this word be a bullseye upon our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Call upon the name of the Lord. If you'll turn quickly to Psalm 14, I want to look at a passage of Scripture here. And this phrase, call upon the name of the Lord, has really been coming to me very quickly and sincerely this week. And I want to get into a little bit of a different subject as well, but I want to talk about calling upon the name of the Lord And as I mention that phrase, call upon the name of the Lord, I'm not talking about praying. There's a difference between praying and calling upon the name of the Lord. Jeremiah wrote in the book of Lamentations, and he says, I have called upon the Lord and He heard my voice. Calling upon the name of the Lord has to do with crying out with lifting up your voice there's a sense of desperation and urgency that comes with calling upon the name of the Lord so Psalm 14 it says the fool has said in his heart there is no God they are corrupt they have committed abominable deeds there is no one who does good The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside, together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all the workers of wickedness not know, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call upon the name of the Lord. As I have studied several passages of Scripture this week, specifically dealing with calling upon the name of the Lord, here's just quickly what I want us to understand. The difference between the godly and the ungodly is this. The godly call upon the name of the Lord... Not only in their day of trouble, but they call upon him as a lifestyle. The godly, what separates the godly from the ungodly? What should separate this community of believers who is claiming to name the name of Jesus? What should separate us, us as believers, from unbelievers? Believers call upon the name of the Lord in their day of trouble and they make it a lifestyle where the ungodly, they don't call upon the name of God because they believe they are God. The ungodly do not call upon the name of the Lord in their day of trial. They do not call upon the the name of the Lord in their lifestyle because to them they are God. They will do life in their own strength and their own willpower. And they do not see their desperate need for the Lord. I believe as I've studied this week and I I talked to Barry on the phone, I felt like I heard the Lord say that He wants to reestablish the gospel message in this community of believers. He wants to reestablish the gospel of Jesus Christ to this community of believers because I'm telling you, another gospel is being preached in the church. It is a gospel of accommodation. It is a gospel of self-help. It is a gospel of, brother, you're good. Good people go to heaven, right? The right question to ask, right, is why do bad things happen to good people, right? Did you just hear the word of God? The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt, and there is no one who does good, not even one. So, actually, the right question to ask is why do good things happen to bad people? I love that feeling in the room. What is the gospel? What did Jesus Christ come in the form of a man, the God-man, what did He invite people into? He invited people into the narrow way. He invited people into deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Him. In other words, the end of you is the beginning of Him. The gospel is, He is the Creator and we are the created. The gospel is, He is the potter and we are the clay. We do not tell God what to do, He tells us what to do. We don't live above the Word of God, we live beneath the Word of God. But coming to God even at salvation is a desperate call or cry that says, Call upon the name of the Lord and confess you are nothing without Him. The godly will do many things but they continually, excuse me, the ungodly will do many things, but they continually refuse to humble themselves and recognize God's greatness by calling on His name. Salvation itself is impossible until a person humbly calls upon the name of the Lord. Acts 2.21 For God has promised specifically to be rich in mercy those who call on his name, Romans 10. We must understand that one of Satan's main strategies toward humanity has been always to whisper, don't call, don't ask, don't depend on God for anything, just rely on your own strength and ability and you will be fine." These statements are all demonic lies that must be exposed and removed from our thinking. In contrast, listen to David's confident words in Psalm 4 verse 3 as he says, Know that the Lord has set the godly apart for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. I believe that the Lord is prophetically saying, I don't know if it's for one person or it's for many of us, this is a season to call upon the name of the Lord. The Lord is looking down from heaven, and He is searching for a people that are going to cry out, that are going to lift their voice aloud, that are going to be unashamed to confess their desperate need of God, not just at salvation, but as a lifestyle. I've been asking myself, when's the last time I woke up in my home? See, this is what I believe the Lord is saying. I am not an ATM crisis machine. God is not an ATM crisis machine. He does not want to be a God that the only time we lift up our voice is when we're in trouble. Why do we need to wait for trouble to call upon the name of the Lord? Can I tell you? It's called pride. Pride is an over-exaggeration. It's an over-emphasis upon our own strengths and our own abilities. See, what's even coming to me is money, finances, Why do I tithe? Why do I give to tell the Lord, you can have it, you can do it? Why do I take a day of rest? Why do I take a Sabbath? Because it's to tell the Lord, you can, but I can't. When we begin to walk in a lifestyle that's dependent and that's desperate and that recognizes I need God whether I'm in a tough season or not, it's the gateway to spiritual hunger. Really what we're talking about and what we're going to get into this morning is it's called being poor in spirit. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are in tune with how much they need the Lord and are unafraid to confess it. See, this message should be liberating. This message could be exciting because why? God is not looking for strong men and women. God is not looking for gifted men and women. The kingdom of God is built on weakness. Weakness. It attracts the power of God. It attracts the fire of God. Humble yourself under His mighty right arm and He will deliver you in days of trouble. Do we believe that He will withhold no good thing from those who seek His face? Do we really believe that He rewards the godly? Saints, don't be ashamed of His blessing. Well, brother, ministry must be good. It is good because I've obeyed. Don't let people of carnal nature and ungodliness try to put a condemnation on you. Listen, the Lord will reward those who diligently seek Him. It's not always going to come in material possession. But don't be ashamed of the blessing of God that He is a refuge. He is a strong tower. He will keep His hand on your children and on your marriage as you diligently pursue Him. I say let the godly arise. Let those who are desperate, let those who are hungry, let those who are humble. We've got to deal with this elephant of pride. Come on, we need to line the men up. Here we go, in the name of Jesus, get over yourself. Sorry, I try to keep this. I feel like somebody's destiny is hanging in the balance. The people's, your marriage, you can't do it, but he can. It's so liberating. Your flesh is going to try to fight you. You're going to try to posture and fake and become a hypocrite and act like everything's going right when really it's horrible. Just tell someone, I have no clue what I'm doing. Our marriage is struggling. We don't tell anybody. We have no idea how to raise kids. We don't tell anybody. Pride. Pride. Lord, I don't want you to be a crisis ATM. I don't want to be that guy that's down at the saints. We've got to break out of these cycles. Don't you see it? Something bad happens to somebody and then they're in the altar. Oh, God, I need you. And then God in His graciousness and His kindness answers them. And then they just go back to complacency. They go back to apathy. They go back to lethargy. Something else, another bump in the road. Oh God, I need you. Cycle after cycle after cycle where whether things are good or things are bad. Lord, I'm in desperate need of you. I've been asking God to give me a fresh sense of the fear of who He is. I'm currently experiencing a healthy fear of Him taking His hand off my life. Do, do we realize that if God took His hand off our lives, if He took His hand off your marriage, off your kids, off your business, But are you in tune with that? Because if you're connected to that reality, your life would not be the same. There is no way that we could continue to skate and do business as usual if we're connected to, oh God, I need you. Call upon the name of the Lord. Saints, don't be afraid to cry out. One of the coolest salvations I've ever been a part of was I was on a plane. I I ride on planes all the time. I can't say that I like them. Sometimes you take that flight where, man, there's turbulence or bouncing all around. And, you know, some people, they're terrified. They, you know, whatever. So on a plane one time, little prop plane, about 12 people and this lady, Where I mean, it's shaking and I'm just smiling. I'm like, praise God if it's my time, amen. I'm telling you, confidence in the Lord scares the carnal nature. I found that even in situations where things are all over the place, the godly, they begin to be rock solid, and people are like, what? No. Yeah, brother, my faith in God is not dependent upon my circumstances. My hope and my trust are in the Lord. I want the faith and trust of Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if he doesn't take us from the fire, we'll still serve him. Oh, Lord, I need you to answer in this season, and if you don't give me what I want, it's over. She starts crying out. She's cussing, cursing, doing whatever. And I just thought it'd be funny, so I just started calling on the name of the Lord. I said, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would deliver, that you would... I'm just shouting. I mean, everybody else is shouting, so I'll just shout. I started shouting on this plane. The Lord is a strong tower. I commanded, and boom. Just like that, it went, she looked at me. And I'm just still smiling. She said, brother, aren't you afraid? And again... This is just part of my personality. but I said, sister, I'm, I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid for you. I'm afraid where you're going to end up if we went, went down. So open up the door to share the, the gospel presentation. But saints, I don't care if it's in an emergency. I mean, what, what, what's your first reaction when trouble comes? Well, let me check my bank account. Come on. Well, let's see what we can do. Let's, we like to fix. We like to hover. We like to, we like to have we even stopped and knelt down and said, Lord, this is what it means to be saved. This is what it means to be godly, to confess, I'm not God, you are. I'm not the potter, you are. I'm not in control of my life. You are. Lord, I lay it down at your feet. And God, would you come? We we, we can say no today to the rat race of religion. We can say no today to striving in our own strength and running around in season after season after season. Like the Lord is calling out we're supposed to be calling upon his name but I believe the Lord is calling upon some of our names Jeremiah can you hear his voice today he's saying If I was to ask you this morning if Jesus is a crutch for people who can't make it, what would you say? If I was to ask you this morning if Jesus is a crutch for people who can't make it, what would you say? Because if Jesus is a crutch for people who can't make it, then He's only good for cripples. but we don't like to see ourselves as cripples do we it's offensive to our self-sufficiency to confess that without Jesus Christ we are nothing I've shared it before and I want to share it again when I was in high school I was part of an English honors department and one of the key figures that we studied was Ralph Waldo Emerson In Ralph Waldo Emerson, one of his famous poems is called Self Reliance. And the line in that poem that always stuck out to me was this Trust in thyself, every heart vibrates to that iron string. Trust in thyself, every heart vibrates to that iron string. Do you know that that statement is completely antithetical to the gospel? There couldn't be a statement further away, and again, we might have heard of the self-help gospel. Brother, you got it, you can do it. Just add Jesus onto the buffet and you can have a little of the world and a little of Jesus and a little of this and a little of that and maybe you'll make it in. Trust in thyself. It's humanism. It's encouraging people that by your own strength and by your own abilities, you can get there. Just pull up your bootstraps and you'll make it. Lies! There is no one that's good. It's called total depravity. We're lost. We're in desperate need of rescue every day that we wake up, whether we know it or not. It's waking up and saying, oh God, would you be with my kids today? The Lord's teaching me how to call out their names to God. Bella Grace, Israel David, Lydia Joy, Lord, would your hand so that I don't take for granted So I don't think that he owes me something. So I'm not entitled to, well, he better do it because he got a good thing when I got saved. Do you know this morning here at Heart of the Father, none of us are doing God a favor by being here? This is the gospel, by the way. I was asking the Lord about this this week, and this is what I heard him say. One of the greatest tragedies in much of the church today is that we have set ourselves up as judge and put God's character on trial. One of the greatest tragedies in much of the church today is that you and I have set ourselves up as judge and put God on trial. saints we're not the center of the universe what's the purpose of the preaching what's the purpose of the worship him what's the purpose of my life a retirement a 401k i've been telling some older folks we really believe that retirement is the answer for a generation in rebellion The answer for a generation in rebellion is called refirement. We we need a generation 50 above that are more on fire than you ever were at 30. How do do we model? how How do we demonstrate a life that's connected To our need for the Lord. How do we get away from the Ralph Waldo. The humanistic self-help gospel by the way. That's building large churches and getting big offerings. How do we get away from that and say I believe that the gospel is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will. That's the gospel. Put your trust, put your hope, put your plans, put your purpose, put your destiny in Him. Jesus only. But it's this thing called helplessness. It's this thing called helplessness. It's a disease that humanity hates the most. And I want to tell you the truth this morning, and it's this. God is not desiring to deliver any one of us from helplessness. God will not deliver anyone from helplessness because this. God uses helplessness and he makes it the doorway into the kingdom of heaven. Imagine yourself out in an ocean drowning. And the only way to get out of there is to Call upon the name of the Lord. Can I be frank with you? Some of you, that's a picture of your life right now. And we're literally trying every lifeline but Him. And really, a a large part of what He wants is for you to swallow your pride and say, God, I need you! Saints, I have the fear of the Lord. Why do we have to wait till He strips it away? Why do we have to wait for death in disease, in divorce, in disaster to get a revelation that we need Him? I do not want that for my life. Oh! I want to live with hunger. I want to live with desperation. I want to live with tears. I want to live with love sickness. I don't want cycles. I want a lifestyle of consistency. Of stableness. I want to get off the emotional roller coaster and become rock solid in my faith. But it all starts with this thing called helplessness that you and I are trying to Get it away from me. Get it. Think about our lives. The more money, the more friends, the more influence, the safer we think we become. And really it's the more in danger we become. No, some of us need to go. Push away the distractions. Push away the saints. There are people in the Bible, they got so hit with the gospel message, they sold all they had. How desperate are we for Him? What kind of conviction that do we really have? That if He took His hand off our life, we'd be in trouble. Jesus Christ is a stumbling block. Not only to Ralph Waldo Emerson, but to you and I at times. Because he takes the disease that we hate the most, helplessness, and instead of curing us of it, he makes it the doorway into the kingdom of heaven. Turn quickly to Revelation chapter 3. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would prompt us and that you would awaken our hearts, Lord, to any hard heartedness, any deception. And putting our strength and our abilities, Lord. Putting our life into our own hands. Revelation chapter 3, the context is the church at Laodicea. It's a rebuke that Jesus gave one of the churches. Laodicea, many people understand that they were lukewarm. But look, look, let's look why. Verse 16, Revelation 3 16. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. You do not know that you are wretched and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Verse 19, those whom I love I reprove and discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I want you to hear me for a minute. It's not the spiritually mature that have need of nothing. I don't know how it is in the church world, but oftentimes the people that have been saved the longest think they know the most. What I actually believe a reality in the kingdom of heaven is those who have known Him the longest are in tune with how much they don't really know. So I don't need to bring my Bible. I've heard that. I've read that. I've known that. Pride. It stinks in the sight of God. Would he make us teachable, being willing to relearn that which we think we already know? Teachability, being willing to relearn that which we think we already know. Lord, make us teachable, make us humble. I don't want to be a know it all. I don't want to be that husband that's lost for days and I won't humble myself and ask somebody. To me, this is glorious. This is liberating. I'm going to leave today encouraged. Thank God. Thank God he loves weakness. Thank God He loves desperate, imperfect people. He's looking for you to confess it and not be ashamed of it. I mean, honestly, when's the last time you you met somebody in transition who said, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, but that's okay. I know God. Well, we got to get this lined up. We got to... help us so it's not the spiritually mature that have need of nothing it's actually the lukewarm lukewarm people carnal Christians are those who believe they have everything figured out it's a religious spirit it's the ways of the Pharisees and the religious leaders Let's close in Matthew chapter 5, if you'll go there. So we've covered call upon the name of the Lord. I believe that there are people in this room, I don't know if it's your marriage, if it's your kids, if you're in some kind of transition. The Lord is saying that calling upon His name, lifting up a cry of need is not only the way of salvation, He's desiring it to be a lifestyle. We've got to make war on pride. It's self-sufficiency. It is the white elephant in the room. Lukewarm people are people who confess that they don't have a need for anything. Jesus comes in Matthew chapter 5. I want to begin reading in verse 1. Just real quickly, Matthew 5 is the Sermon on the Mount, it is the life, it's the Beatitudes. Jesus comes and then He begins to instruct and teach about the Kingdom of God. And when He saw the multitudes, He went up on the mountain, and after He sat down, His disciples came to Him, and opening His mouth, He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the Kingdom of Heaven." Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you, persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets that are before you. How many of you are familiar with these modern-day bless-me messages? There are so many bless-me messages in the church. Most of them have to do with material possession... In the circles that I travel in prophetically, it's basically something like there are 144 people in here, according to Psalm 144. And if you'll sow a seed of 144, God will break the back of poverty off of you and your grandma and your ancestors. And it's just all to me. It's all this fleshly, carnal, bless, bless, bless. But my question this morning as we begin to close is this. How many of us want to be blessed by God? Jesus is teaching here on the Sermon on the Mount. This is a life of blessing. This is what it looks like. If you want my blessing, this is how you've got to do it. One of my favorite Greek scholars, his name is Kenneth Wiest. And he translates blessed as spiritually prosperous. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to read verse 3. But Kenneth Wiest, he translates it like this. Blessed are the destitute and helpless in the realm of the Spirit. Spiritually prosperous are the destitute and helpless in the realm of the Spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying poor in spirit is really destitute and helpless in the realm of the spirit. Spiritually prosperous people are destitute and helpless in the realm of the spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, my problem is, I'm one of those guys who people constantly send me YouTubes, videos, and they're like, man, you have got to check this guy out. He flows in signs, wonders, and miracles like you've never seen. People tell me, man, I've met this preacher. He is the most eloquent. He can preach the paint off the walls. He can parse every verb in the Greek. Hey, man, let me introduce you to this evangelist. And all we do is we list all the accolades, all the accomplishments, and we're like, wow, wow, wow. Have you ever, though, had anybody contact you? I haven't. And said, Jeremiah, I have met maybe the godliest man or woman I've ever met before. And I type back, brother, tell me about him. They are completely destitute and helpless in the realm of the Spirit. Brother, what's it like being in their meetings? It's crazy. All they do is call upon the name of the Lord. They tell people, I'm not healing anyone, God is. They constantly put down their name, their reputation. They say, oh God, hide me so that the people don't worship me. Who do you consider spiritual? Who's your spiritual hero? It hits home for me, is parenting. What do I want my kids to remember about mom and dad growing up? Do I want them to remember a strong man who had it all figured out and whose God was really mammon? Who had all the answers? Who had the all the 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 50 year or do, do i want them to remember mom and dad were not afraid to get down on their knees we saw them praying inviting the presence of god saying god we don't know what to do but we know that you have the answer that's godly parenting What kind of lifestyle are we modeling for people? Can people look at my life and say, oh yeah, he knows he needs God? Or do people think I'm drunk on my gifting, drunk on my anointing, obsessed with my finances? Paul, he listed all his accolades all his accomplishments, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul, if anyone could have boasted and what they could have done, he could have done it. But then he makes some crazy statement like, listen, a pursuit of Jesus Christ, knowing him intimately, if I take that pursuit and I compare it to a life of of inheriting richly possessions, I'm going to call that pursuit a bunch of dung. Like, has anyone ever showed you their pile of poop? I meet business people, I'm not going to lie, all the time. They love to show me their poop. Hey, brother, look what I've got, and look what I've done, and look what I'm like. Brother, Paul said I have chosen to boast in nothing else than Jesus Christ in Him crucified. It's His money, it's His house, it's His cars, it's His family, it's His church. We've got to begin to give Him all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise and stop being ashamed of it. The ways of the world is in their own strength. They know nothing of the kingdom of heaven They know nothing of helplessness. See, some of us, the fear is manifesting right now. The control is manifesting. The anxiety is, oh my gosh, brother, I've got to surrender my will over to the Lord. Yes, that's what it means to be saved. Yes, that means what it is to walk with Jesus. The end of me is the beginning of Him. Call upon the name of the Lord. He's a strong tower. He's available 24-7. But I will tell you this, He will oppose the proud. He will oppose the proud. I feel like begging with some of you, pleading you're going to destroy your marriage. You're going to destroy your children. God will oppose the proud, but He will give grace to the humble. I want I want the arrows of grace to fly strong in my life. I want the grace of God to come and blow in strong when I'm weak. His grace, it brings strength. I asked the Lord one day, wouldn't everyone say they need God? I mean, if I asked people in this room, do you need God? I'm pretty sure everyone would say yes. But so I said, Lord, what's the litmus test? Can we for sure determine whether someone truly knows they need you. What's the litmus test? And he said this to me. The litmus test of whether anyone truly knows they're poor in spirit is do they have a prayer life? Nothing says, I need you, God, more than a life lived down on your knees. could ask some questions do you have a prayer life i'm not talking about driving down the road and saying oh lord thank you for this day amen do you call upon the name of the lord do you cry out and lift up your voice and say god i need you saints i look at the american church and all our buildings and all our money and services filled on Sundays and prayer meetings empty throughout the week. Forget the corporate prayer meetings. Our lives are so busy we don't even have time to kneel down beside our bed. How do I know, how can I be sure that we're seriously lacking in this poor and spirit reality? I don't have a prayer life. My lack of prayer is telling God I've got this. My lack of humility is telling God I'll figure it out on my own. What's this all about this morning, brother? It's a call to pray. It's a call to humble ourselves. We talk about so much about revival and so much about awakening in America. And trust me, I'm I'm believing for it. But hear me. The cry for revival is this. God, what I'm doing isn't working. Please come. Revival coming to a city is saying, Lord, we've got churches on every corner. Dallas Metro, somewhere in California, we've got more churches poor capital, and we're still legislating homosexuality. We're still saying yes to abortion. The cry for revival is, Lord, obviously all our programs, all our buildings, all our self-help programs, all our good ideas, they're not working. Would you come until the church begins to get on her knees? until we begin to lift up a fervent cry of prayers and petition, the fire that so many of us are longing for, it just will not come. But prideful people will not pray. Arrogant people, they will not pray. Why will they pray to a God when they think they're God? I'm leaving today saying, Lord, help me and help you. I'm saying, Lord, get me and get you. I'm saying, Lord, do it in me. I I'm not talking about anyone else but myself. I'm not leaving here saying, oh, brother so-and-so should have heard that. No, you need to hear this. Lord, stir a fire in me. Stir an awakening in me. Or give me every opportunity I can to boast in you. Can I just encourage some of our business people, marketplace people, when people come and they love you and they exalt you and they say, oh, look at that little piece of poo-poo. Just say, shh. It's just poo-poo. Let, let, let me tell you about eternal realities. Let, let me tell you of, of the one who gave me the ability I just believe that the Lord is going to raise up an end time people that are going to boast on nothing else but Christ. Who are going to unashamedly say it's all about Jesus. If He wants it, He can have it. Some of us this morning, we need a course correction. There's mercy, there's grace here. I don't know if you're running around. I don't know if your marriage is in trouble, if you're concerned about your children. I don't know what it is, but there's an invitation to lay our future, to lay our destiny, to lay our families at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, make me so aware that I'm in desperate need of you. Maybe for some it's, Lord, forgive me for treating you like a crisis ATM. Lord, I'm so sorry that I'm into Christianity when things are going bad and I'm totally distracted and off when... You've decided by your mercy and grace to help. Lord, make me consistent. Make me stable. I want to be a, like a tree planted by streams of water that even in a dry season, I'll bear fruit. Are you bow your heads with me this morning. Just want us to take a minute here. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Father, here we are this morning, Lord. So many represented, so many marriages, so many families, Lord, so many individuals. Lord, we call upon Your name today. Lord, we lift up our voices. Say, God, would You help us? Would You remove the blindness from our eyes? I just see the hand of God here today reaching down to so many of us. And all He's saying is, just take my hand. God, your word says that you oppose the proud, that you give grace to the humble. God, would you deal with our pride and our arrogance, our self-centeredness? Lord, the lukewarm, they say, I have no need. Lord, we want to be on fire. We want to be on fire. God, I pray over devotional lives in this room that you would set them on fire, that you would kiss us and that you would woo us in the secret place. I want to open up the altars this morning. I believe these kinds of messages are more than just, yeah, amen. Some type of response that's required as Michaela sings this song, I just want to encourage you to respond if that's what God is leading you to do. If you have to leave, we want to bless you. We want to thank you for coming. We'd love for you to join us this week. But for now, this will just be the official close. Please be mindful of the people around you. I want to ask our prayer team to come forward. If you're on the prayer team this morning, you know who you are. If The Lord would lead you to partner with someone down here in the altar. You can do that. Let's just take the next few minutes, saints, and call upon the name of the Lord. Make things right. Get the course. Get the compass right. And invite Him in. Let's pray. Let's kneel together and ask God for help.